I almost fell off the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, we're recording in Shawnee's room today because we uh, have a wonderful conversation with Alex Ginny, LCSW. Um, truly a wonderful conversation. Oh, I thought it was because we just slept together. Well, we already told them that we hadn't. Oh, we finally did it. We we heard we the episode it. with the 21 questions and we yeah. were like, actually, you we know what? Do we should just do this. So we did it. Go us. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, I guess. Uh, and welcome to QBT, a podcast where two queer babes talk about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. I am Maddie Germs. And I'm Shawnee. And you already said the part that you would normally say. Then. Before. And so now. So we can go right into the podcast. <laughs> What's up, slide? Oh, you know, nothing. Just uh, sipping on some water, getting Ooh, hydrated. Hydration mm. on this here lovely Sunday. Yeah, I had, you know, not enough sleep. Yeah. My you, eyeballs are puffy, you know? I wouldn't know. I have, you know, you look you look gorgeous. You're glowing over there. Thank you. You know, the hangover glow was a thing. Thank you. This uh, Sunday, Sunday sunlight is... Uh, yeah, basking it's, in it. Basking, <laughs> basking in it. Yes. Um, well, it's also Mother's Day. We're recording on this lovely, lovely, you know, capitalistic holiday. Sure. So not I want for everyone. Not for everyone. Um, so I want to know who's your favorite like sitcom, TV, film, like mom in general. In general, or like name a few. Like who are a few of your favorites? Okay. I just wasn't expecting this. Oh. Um, I feel I feel a lot of pressure. Okay. That's the point of this question. I know. Um, I feel like Suzanne Summers would be a fun mom. What was she in Step by Step? Yes. Oh, okay, cute. We get to go on roller coasters and people think she's hot. I'm yeah. like, whatever. Step I actually, by step. Yeah. Day by. Oh, that was a good song. Uh, honestly, as I'm saying that, she could have been a terrible mother on the show. I don't really remember. I don't remember, but she sounds like she wouldn't be a great mom. But like a fun teenage mom. Sure. Because those are always fun. Not like she's a teenager. I mean, like when you're a teenager. It's oh, a, okay. I yeah, like okay. Um, I love um Lisa from Sister Sister, Jack A. Harry, iconic. One of the best moms, best moms ever. I mean, truly, the only reason I know her is because of that role. Yeah. So not because of um. Oh, was that two two seven? Not because of two two seven. Yeah, I'm sorry. Or she didn't play a mom. I don't know what that means. But no, she was... Oh, I should... We should watch some episodes of 227. Okay. I'm going to introduce you to 227. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Um. Oh, another great sitcom mother? Yeah. Um. Oh, no, this is so embarrassing. Who's Dorothy's mom in Golden Girls? Oh, I am not a Golden Girls. That, that, don't ask me those questions. All right, well, let's go into And What About It. <laughs> um. What are we talking about this week? Politics? Fuck it. Fuck it. We're not talking about anything politics. I, you have a hangover. I have a politics hangover. Fine. Okay. So we're done. We're not doing it. We can get into a little bit of light music. Um, there's lights a, up. lights up by light flight facility. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, no, lights up is the name of a song by Flight Facilities featuring Channel Trace, who I adore. Yeah. Um, it's a good song. It reminds me of like eighties electronic mario 
video games okay but like with this that smooth like channel trace like lights up we're gonna do this then this yeah yeah uh-huh. Like that just like weird. He not weird. It's actually it's quite sexy. Yeah. But um he does that. He good. has a he has a great beat and he just kind of his he voice just is just it. his talking voice is Ugh. very sexy that it just makes it. It's a great track. I almost expect that if you were to have a conversation with Channel Trace as a human being in real life, you'd like, be tranced. Yeah. yeah. He just it, the music is just there in the background always. To me, it's honestly similar to the way like someone would talk over a Vogue beat, but oh, because yeah. his voice is so low, it doesn't register as like, kind of, kind of, kind of, turn. He's like, yeah. do, 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 He's do, like, cat, yeah. cat, 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 yes. cat, 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, whatever. Channel Trust is beautiful. They can do it. Yeah. Right. And I will never forget us going to see Robin and then seeing Channel Trace as the opener. And had listened tops. to that EP Ugh. like earlier... I was obsessed. Within that week, and I was into it, but like really seeing that solidified it for me. I revisited some of those photos, and we looked a mess. Yes. <laughs> In the yes. moment, I thought we looked really cute. No. But we did not. Speaking of messy, let's get into the circle season two. Ooh, okay. So we warned you last week. This We're going to, spoilers, we're going to ruin the circle season two for you if you have not seen it already. Um, so if you don't want to hear about that, maybe fast forward an hour because that's something we're going to talk about. And also, about. if you're never going to watch the circle, uh, it's still going to be entertaining for you, I promise. Yeah, no, but it's, let's get into it. Okay, I said this last week, uh, season one, not really my gig, uh, yeah. but I really enjoyed this. This was messier and... Um, a little bit differently produced and I mm-hmm. I liked it. It did not feel as much like a trial run. They sort of knew what they were sort of doing. Right, 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 right. It was definitely, I mean, it is way more cutthroat. Like, yeah. it's one of those things where, okay, people get the gameplay off of season one, so they knew exactly what to do sort coming of, in yeah, for season two. For sure. Um, All right, least favorite character just of the season, who's the least favorite? My least favorite of the entire season? season yeah. Honestly, I did not like River. Okay, that's fine. I don't know. I was just like, you don't why is this person still here? Like, how have y'all not figured out that this is a catfish? Like, I feel like I could have figured that out. It's v- fairly easy. But um, yeah, River by far is my probably least favorite. I mean, I feel like people were hating on Bryant in the very beginning. And I mean, he was annoying. But I was also like, eh, give the guy like a chance. I mean, no, he's who I would have voted out first too. <laughs> Okay. I, I like uh people didn't like it Mitchell. wasn't my least favorite i think um the shirtless one was my least favorite <gasps> i okay mitchell was probably my least favorite too but he was just hot to look at yeah but like i think evil like he looked evil i mean he was like i feel like, like a he also little, has like, this, overly like, christian yeah i mean he also has like pictures of him like with confederate flags and shit and like oh he definitely looks like he like has a he, confederate flag or two around. he's his brother is ed from the last season from season one who is very much so like Dude, you're you might as well be a Confederate soldier. Okay. Yeah. So it was that was a given. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, he was hot. He was pretty, uh, but to me was like the scary kind of pretty, not the like inviting slash I'm turned on kind of pretty. Uh, I see. Like there's a certain type of pretty or hot where like even if I can aesthetically understand it as hot, I'm not even really turned on by it because I'm so terrified of it. I see. That's a, that's true. He gives me that energy. Okay, I see that. Like I, all I see is violence when I look so, at you, not like sex. So Mitchell was your least favorite. I think. I think so. Okay. I um. Oh, you know what? I'm completely wrong. Hate him, but Emily and that fucking dude. 
Oh, I oh, hate him. Yeah, I actually really dislike he him. He looks like when he opens his mouth, it sticks. Ew, it does. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, it does. His mouth, like, it just, he looks smelly. I didn't find him funny almost ever. The way. No. It, he dressed horribly. Ew, he's my least favorite. You're right. Like. My least, least. But, like, I. And I was always like, put some socks on. I don't want to see your feet. Oh. And also, there were like, towards the, before he got voted off as Emily and then like came back, there were like, there was like an episode where he was just like only ever in his like underwear the entire, like yeah. that entire episode. And I was yeah. like, put like, put something on. Like, yeah. you're not the guy I want to see in and just like your not, underwear. And he wasn't like swanging enough to be able to like to do, that. do that. Yeah. Like, because it wasn't sexy underwear. It was dude underwear. It was dude underwear. And it was like, yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, I actually appreciated the duo as John more than I liked the Emily thing. John. The old man they came back as. The Santa man. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, the Lance Armstrong thing. Honestly, Lance terrible Armstrong? about that game. <laughs> Lance Bass. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> oh, you know what? Also, very funny Lance Armstrong crossover is uh, Miss Toto from the podcast from a few weeks ago was on um, Bambi Bakes. Okay. No, was on this show that Bambi Bakes Coulet called Bambi Bakes. Uh, and Lucy Stool was on it, and they're asked about astronauts, and Miss Toto says Lance Armstrong. Also, anyway, Lance Bass <laughs> from the Circle um, she was terrible at that game, but I enjoyed watching her be goofy and sort of like not understanding this game, yeah. and also not really understanding how she's on TV. She was literally just narrating the things and would be like, ha ha ha. <laughs> like, like, you know, I, that lady, I just, I started to wonder about her home life. Like, I feel like most of those people on there, I don't really care about what their home life is. Like, like I'm not wondering like, oh, when you're not on this show, like I yeah. wonder what you're doing at home. Yeah. She specifically, I'm like, I want to know what you are doing when yeah. you're at home by yourself for real. Like, are you doing this? Just when narrating your actions. I know. When her family emailed her or whatever, like video called yeah. her or whatever, they left her the message, whatever. Yeah. Um, I really appreciated that. To be honest, I, I do want to be very clear. The format of the show is terrible. The format is essentially, what if Alexa was your wall? And then you, like, oh. talked to it and... I'm not sure. Oh. See? Okay. In case the microphone did not pick that, the actual A word in this apartment responded to... <laughs> I'll fuck with that shit, Sean. <laughs> Should we unplug her? <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay. We just won't say that word again. But, um... I I wish that they just had keyboards and they were instructed to read out loud what they're typing because what we're given now is we watch it slowly come on the screen and then it split screen sounds every person reading the same thing yeah and then in order to talk they have to say something out loud bang emoji send like I I just hate I I hate the format so so you prefer much. it to just be one or the other. Like, they either just, like, are talking and you don't see the thing on the screen or you just see the thing on the screen. I just would rather that they are typing because the other thing is that it's not real. Yeah. It's like... But there's nobody not, wants to see people sitting there typing because you're not going to talk. You're not going to be, like... But I'm saying that's the instruction. Energetic. They're given instruction because 
if okay, if that was you, would you really everything that comes in if cameras were not on you and you're not we're not instructed by production to read everything out loud? Like it's the same thing. Okay, yeah, you're you just right. tell I would just them be reading with my eyes and then would yeah. like respond out loud. Yes. Okay. Um, or you wouldn't respond out loud because you, you the you aren't actually oh, I'd talking to anything. Loud. I I talk to myself quite often. Okay, here. great. But I just <laughs> I don't I don't understand why they make us like try and make me feel stupid to believe that there's something listening that can understand their random ass words for different emojis. Maybe can... the circle is a real app that will one day enter our lives. Yuck. I hope never. Um, I just, it's obviously some PA typing. Obviously. And I just wish I would watch Courtney type. I wish I would just, because I think that honestly, I also think the aesthetic of someone typing and the faces that they make when they're typing is more entertaining. Like than... that lady, like that one lady who has the nails and is like, yes, but... Could you imagine yeah. that? Like the camera is just on them as they're typing. Can you just catch all their like facial expressions? Yes. And they're just like, and then you see the people that type with like yes, one I finger. I would buy the um, circle being like, I don't, I don't understand this elevation of it being a like smart apartment. It makes me, that makes the show feel dumber to me. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Um, but anyway, fuck that um, Emily person. Um, <laughs> how do we feel about, Baby Courtney, for some reason, hating black women. I don't know what was up with Courtney, but like very quickly became one of my, like, like not my least, least favorite, but I was just like, dude, what's going on here? Oh, I mean, I think I wanted Courtney to win. Really? I Courtney or Trevor. That was who I wanted to win. Um, yeah. I, because... I was definitely going for, I was rooting for Trevor, aka Delisa. Yeah. And Chloe. Those are my two. I was like, I don't, I, I dis, I kind of dislike that I'm rooting for Chloe so much, but also at a certain point was like, yo, I always here for a genuine, authentic person. And I think this, this is truly who this girl is. Like maybe she's doing it extent. just for the camera. Yeah. But like, at least she's consistent. Yeah, it is consistent. <laughs> and I, I think my problem of the winner options was like, I actually didn't hate River. I just hated the care. I hated the character of River. I got you. I That's hated, the dislike. That I hated I the picture. Yeah. I hated everything. I actually didn't dislike that man. I thought he was like kind of cute, and I like his ridiculous um, commitment to ugliness was charming. Like you know, oh, you know, like he, just, he just had like yellow teeth and terrible. <laughs> oh, okay. everything. Like he just like he was just like very in it to like. But with like a real husband. person, yeah, all of that is fine. I mean, what I'm saying is that oh, I, and his dear mother, that was crazy. That was um, a lot. <laughs> but like, uh, Courtney, I liked, I liked the game. I I wish that they had different targets mm-hmm. because Tara Alicia was the one. Like she walked in the door, and I was like, winner. Tara Alicia was yeah. I hope they do, and I know at some point. They will. And all stars. And all stars or yeah. like a whoever comes back. Terlish yeah. is definitely coming back. At Did some you point. watch that reunion episode and the way that they were Savannah, Savannah and, and they were like, well, that's your truth. And she's like, well, actually, like your truth is not exactly the best truth. And she's like, well, maybe we can like actually have disagreements about what truth even is because we experienced two separate things in two separate rooms in two of our smart apartments. And maybe we don't have the same like coming to that. And she's like, yeah, that's true. We definitely don't have the same truth. That's that's right. That's what we don't. <laughs> <laughs> you guys that was we just played a clip that was a clip from the actual show that memory you just heard. wrote memory yeah. 
Okay, yeah, I remember that argument. Those exact words were said, and that was weird. I I disliked Savannah more in that moment because I didn't actually dislike it on the show. I thought that it was like a bad choice, and it wasn't the choice Same. that I would have made. Agreed. But I like I understood it, and I thought it was entertaining. I liked that, Savannah for a while. Me too. I the thing is for me, be entertaining to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Courtney was the most entertaining. I was most entertained by the okay. way that they approached the game, by the way they narrated the game, by the way they pretended to be serious and fun at different times. Like, I I was like, this person has a consciousness. Also, Chloe is entertainment. Entertainment, like, entertainment. at the core of it all. She is television. Without her, that game, that honestly, this her season would have been titties. so boring. Oh my God, this reunion titties. Oh my God. The little so short good. dress. I was like, this. I love this girl. And Deliza being D- best dressed. She looked great. She looked amazing. And I love her. The reason I didn't want her to win is because I hate her character. You I hate, hate Trevor. I don't like Trevor. Yeah. I mean, I obviously I don't know who Trevor is. I don't like the way that she played. I just didn't the picture was like weird to me. It was like this yeah. down angle. It looked fake. And then there was just so many opportunities you in the show where they were like about this season. What? They didn't do the thing where like you can see more pictures of these people. To make a decision. They talked about having the... I feel like they referenced the photo albums, but then mm-hmm. only showed them like once or twice. I feel like they had to have had some sort of access or something. Or like post I, this picture. Because the only th- time they did that, I think, was in the like naughty or nice picture or something. You know oh, maybe. About? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just feel like whenever a new player came on, that was it. Like when Kat came on, it was like that was the picture. And I never saw any other pictures of her. Other than when she first was like, oh, I'm going to pick this one or this one. I feel like I like that about the first season because like the more pictures you see of somebody, the more you're like, oh, okay, I can sort of get a gauge of the kind of person they are. Why did Tara Leisha pick those photos? Oh, why did she pick those photos? The coolest looking, intelligent, beautiful, like looks like a filter, like is putting that blurry ass. Yeah. She was, like, asking for people to think that she was a catfish. Oh, my gosh. She just, maybe, she needs to come back. She'll come back. Yeah. I feel like next season, even, they might just be, like, we're going to bring some, like, the twist will be we brought somebody back from, like, last season or who's played the game before. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. Did you see the way Courtney walked by Tara Alicia when it cut to, like, Courtney comes out. It ran straight to Savannah and, like, hugged around her, her. Around her. Tara Alicia even gets up to, like, yeah, and he, he went around. around her. I was like, all right. Which is the thing that I hold with a lot of hesitation. I am, I don't get what that's about. I, like, yeah. it, I mean, okay. Is it just misogyny? Like, is it just misogynoir? Like, is it just this person really being that? Or is that, for some reason, the way that it laid out in the gameplay of who crossed him? Maybe. Like, we got... Because the way that this is filmed, right, is, like, essentially... And, I mean, who knows? I don't know how they produce this thing. But we're we're made to believe that they come out of their room... And go straight to the room to meet each other for the first time. And then go from that room into the, like, That's reunion house setup. Yeah. Right? Like, it all happens in one day. Today. <laughs> it happened today. Yeah. It, it happened today. today. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I doubt that's true. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that happens in between. Sure. But I just wonder, like... It's like morning into evening or something. Maybe. Yeah. Right? Or who knows? Maybe there's, like, two days in between. Um, I feel like they were looking too sweaty to have had another... That's true. 
Like they were looking rough at the reunion. <laughs> like beautiful still, but, but like, like you could rough. tell they've been working. Like all it's day. been a day. It's yes. been a whole day. Yep. Maybe that's yeah. I don't know. I was just thinking maybe there's like something that happened back like backstage so. with Terralisha and Courtney. Oh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. The, whatever that it was is fucked up. And I'm glad that um seeing her win and call the husband and like Delisa, oh my god. Oh my heart. I cried. I was boohoo crying over here. I, fully I was wept. like that baby. She's that so fine cute. ass man. She her man. Trevor is fine. Yeah. Like that picture that she chose, I was like, mm, I don't know. It looks like you Googled man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly what it looks like. <laughs> but like when she called him, or no, that video came up of him. I was like, oh, Trevor is like... Fine. Fine, fine. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Fine. And that baby is cute as hell. Yes. And it, it all it took was that video of Delisa just like... Boohoo crying. Yeah. Like, all over the place. I was like, oh, give it to this woman. Yeah. Like, she, she needs it. She deserves. I definitely... I loved that woman. Yeah. I did not like her game very much. But right. I loved that woman She a lot. was amazing. And you can also tell just like a big, open, like kind heart yep you know yeah and the way she was like i mean you can be our third yeah (laughs) and was like low-key serious about it like was like absolutely serious serious. about it she was just like i'm I'm saying that on national television right now i'm letting you know we can be in a thing together yes yes (laughs) yeah for sure which that honestly made me feel solid because i like i think that that there is sometimes where those sort of catfish situations, like that fucking closeted homophobe, like would not stop talking about how he flirted with, uh, I, I was flirting with Emily and it turned out to be a dude. He said that like out of nowhere, like four times because he was deeply concerned oh, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was also trying to consistently make you feel like he's cool with it. I'm like, you beat up gay people and you jack off. To them and with them i know you i know, I know you. you yeah yeah yeah. you're not a virgin you just haven't slept with a woman <laughs> like um that's all but uh that energy between women sometimes that i thought it could have been the same thing and i appreciate that it wasn't like i'm so offended bad sad that it was a woman it was very much like we can still play with this girl it's all fine we still you know like, yeah, yeah yeah it was a it was a different type of energy than the gotcha you know what i mean right and it could have gone a very different way which is what i was thinking because i mean it was this whole they had built like a relationship and i was like oh shit like how is elisa gonna go into this like how's she gonna explain this yeah. and it was all just very like it was gameplay girl like you're gorgeous like so that's the thing about chloe that i don't buy is real what? i i don't think that with these men, she actually develops these, like, certain level of... Oh, no, no, no. And so that is the part where I'm like, oh, you're perfect television. You're giving honest responses. But, like, when someone is actually asking about your motivation, you're going to you're gonna play into the way that you give honest responses to, like, sell it. Yeah. And that's how you remain consistent. Titties out. Titties out. With your titties out. Yeah. Do, okay, sorry. Out. We did this for a long time. But okay. we told you we were going to do it. Sorry. What else are we watching? Okay, so everything else, honestly, is just HBO Max stuff. I've sure. just been in HBO Max land. Um, That's fine. Okay, first and foremost, I have been trying to watch Tenet because it's on HBO Max now and okay. it's streaming. And um, I've been trying to watch it for three days now. I don't know what the fuck is going on. All I know is that things, some things are happening in reverse. And like, for some reason... <sighs> 
I've turned that movie on twice, maybe thrice. I've never made it past 30 minutes. I don't, I don't fucking get it. I was, I was tracking. And it's, what, it's, I want, it's I don't want to. That's I was tracking. I was tracking with the plot. I was like, I'm following. Like, I don't know why people find this so hard to get. Like, I'm yeah. following, I'm following. And then... I wasn't following anymore. And I'm sure if we stayed with it long enough, there'd be some sort of magical explanation that then becomes a Reddit thread. That they, Like, if there is a movie that requires discourse with nerds afterwards, that's not a movie I want to watch. That's true. Like, if the thing doesn't stand for itself, leave me alone. It's like, yeah, I don't know what this is about. What are we trying to say here? What are we trying to get at? Yeah. Also, how it's like time travel, but not time travel. It just it's physics. It's time travel physics. It is. I think Inception's a wonderful, fun movie, and I really enjoyed it. And it was sort of fun to grab a beer with someone and be like, what do you think happened at the end or whatever? Yeah. But like, the, that sort of became a genre of like... Mind-bendy. Well, mind-bendy, but uh, f- under false pretenses. Like, they yeah. create content to intentionally obfuscate the truth or what's happening so that people can feel superior Obstigate? if they... Obfuscate? Well, I said it right first. No, I was just impressed. That's a great word. Hide, mask. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Thesaurus. Opacity up. Um, (laughs) But like, like if they're... Now I forgot what I was saying. Sorry. Um, No, it's okay. Uh, Oh, uh, it's not actually like intelligent. It's not actually a, a discourse. It is... It is just made to make certain people who read an interview three years before and a year afterwards about what might, might mean feel superior superior about their understanding of something. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and it's crazy because if you ask the like director or like the creator, they'll be like, like, I don't fucking care. It made I money. I don't know. It's, yeah, essentially <laughs> like it's what you want it to be. I'm a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, anyways, I tried watching Tenet and I'm still watching it. And I'll let you guys, I'll report back if I ever figure out what it's about. Um, also, Christopher Nolan, stop putting women in like these damsel in distress like roles. And that'd be the only thing that like you give them to yeah. work with. I don't like it. Um, he needs a break. He needs to go sit down. He needs a break. Uh, so that damn Michael Shea is on, that's a show. Yes. On HBO Max, Michael Shea's like sketch comedy show. It's very, um... It reminds me of like a darker Chappelle show. Cool. You know, like he it's like these vignettes of Michael Shea sitting and just like kind of telling a joke to like an unseen audience that's like laughing back at the joke he just says. And then the joke he just says is like a skit that like follows. Got it. Like sort of loose terms wise. Cool. Um, usually he's in the skit, sometimes he's not. There's a lot of like, you know, famous black people in it. Um the only thing I've seen is like a small clip where he's like uh, talking about, you know, people say, I don't want my kids seeing this or that. And I'm like, I want them to see everything. And then the joke at the end is like, he's like, you know, they should see their father sometime or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, There's like a good episode. So the first episode is about, it's called Policing. So it's just the whole episode is about police, which is like up. fine. Um, <clears throat> but there's like a skit about like a guy, a black guy getting a job as like a cop. And like the conversation just in the family being like, so you going to call your mom and tell her that like you decided to become a cop? Like, I got you a good job selling drugs at the corner. Like, whatever. And he's like, I need benefits. And I don't know. It's just like a funny thing, like a reversal of uh, what it's like getting a job as a black person. But um, anyways, that's funny. There's like some episodes about dating, uh, whatever. I think it's a pretty solid show. Yeah. I think Michael Shea is funny. I know that some people find him controversial. I think he's just saying things some of y'all just are too quote unquote woke to say. Um, 
And then there's also a Black Lady Sketch Show. It's back. Yeah. Um, without Quinta, which is unfortunate, but I think she's working on a different thing. Uh, yeah. Right I, I, it seems like she'll be back eventually. I, I do. I don't know if it's that I find her the funniest or that I just am attached to her more, but I feel like Ashley, Ashley Nicole Black is my favorite on the oh, cast. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because the main one, Robin. Yeah. I like her in some things, but I feel like what she's better at is committing to the bit than actually sometimes being funny. I like, I agree. I think that I don't necessarily find her character work that great. But she sells but whatever she sells. she's yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. she's committing like she's wholeheartedly. She's like in character, but not like representing the character well. Right. You know? Yes. It's like that. Um, and I bet she does a lot of the writing. And so like I know mm-hmm. that. It's like it's her show. Like you I can know, tell it's her yes. show, right? Yes. Yeah. But I'm just like, you're not my favorite on it. Right, 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 Which right. like not to like pit these women together or whatever, but like. <laughs> But you have your favorites, yeah, okay? I have my favorites. <laughs> I don't know about the two new women. I haven't seen them any in anything before. Um, they seem solid enough. Yeah. But I mean, what? I think there's only two episodes out at the moment, so. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, I think all sketch shows for me are hit or miss. And mm-hmm. this does not feel different for me. There's things that I am like, haha, And there's other things I'm like. Yeah, not And every then there's also other funny. things where I'm like, oh, I bet it if I were black, I might have a very different relationship to what's happening on screen right now. This you is know. true. And I do think that that's something they do a good job at. Same thing with the, um, this, that damn Michael Shea like show mm-hmm. is I like a show that is intentionally black and yeah. not necessarily meant for like people that are not black to understand. Yeah. Or you like know? you can watch it, but we're not going to give you three minutes explanation of it. You either As get to it or why you this is supposed to be funny for yeah. like, whatever whatever, in whatever context right right yeah that's what i i enjoy those kind of shows and i find those shows to be superior to like a blackish and absolutely and it goes back to kind of the dave Chappelle thing of like you know why he quit which is like there's this other thing i have as a white viewer of those shows sometimes of like i know why that's funny and then i feel weird laughing Mm -hmm. because like i know that from my relationships, not just because, like, it's being told to me as funny. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that joke has been shared with me in my car, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, but also Dave Chappelle quit because white people were laughing at shit that was not, like, meant mid- for them. Right, yeah, yeah. right. So it's like that relationship <laughs> with that show. But I'm, I keep watching it every week because I like the idea. And, oh, my God, by next week, Z-Way Show came out this week. Oh. It's on Showtime. So we'll talk about it next week. Or is it already out? I think it might have happened last night or some of the episodes have come out. But I saw an extended clip of the Fran Lebowitz interview. I cannot wait to watch the show. I cannot wait to watch the show. So we'll talk about it next week. The only other thing that I feel like is just like um, reality TV is that big shot with Bethany. Um, (laughs) That show is off the rails. It, the way that she has no awareness of what it means to one at least even have like a modicum of sort of pseudo respect for anti-capitalism. Yeah. She's just like, no, we're here to make money and I'm here to treat you like shit, bitch. Like that is like, <laughs> that's, that's like, that's like the model of it. And then she, and that is why I was like, I'm watching the rest of this show. Well, she comes in and she's like, all right, everyone, thanks for coming. You four brown people, you have to leave, have to leave right, right now. Right now. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. The way that she looks at that black woman is like, why the fuck are you here? <laughs> I was like, it's not, that should not be funny, but because but it's, it's like happens. Bethany, it's, because it's Bethany Frankel, 
And it's just like she's like, why the fuck do you care so much about? It's you honestly socks? like I shouldn't be surprised that this is what's happening. I don't know why I expected anything different out of this show. And why am I missing you on Real Housewives? Yeah, of New York? like why do I want more of this? I it's a it's fucked. I honestly, it's I, honestly, I, I only watched one episode. I've seen like three. It does not get Uh-oh. any better. <laughs> I, I like it's just. So like it's hard because it's it's not funny when you're watching it. It honestly feels like shocking. But there is this element of it like does she not know that this is this looks bad? She is talking to people as if I'm a boss. I'm the most well-liked person on Housewives in New York. I was able to leave. I'm a billionaire like whatever. Yeah. She has this vision I think of how she's perceived mm-hmm. on television. Mm-hmm. That I feel like this is going to be a rude awakening for her. I don't think she's going to understand how much this show is going to hurt her brand. Yeah, like this show is not meant for Gen Z. But like, it's also, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's also. But also it is. It's also not in the way even of like Gordon Ramsay. You know what no, I mean? No, it's just like, it's not. It's like the entertaining part isn't it's the insults. She, that, exactly. It's that. Like with the Gordon Ramsay stuff, it's like. I'm watching this or listening to this because I want to hear the insult because right. it's going to be so well crafted. And you know, behind the scenes, he's going to go give that person a hug. And yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. That was just for TV, right? Whereas this is like, well, one, nothing you're saying is witty or funny. You're just being like mean, but you're doing it on television in a way that you think people want to see this kind of television. Yeah. It's like you're not in on the fact that we're laughing at you for having made this. We don't mess of like a thing. Trump for The Apprentice. Right. Right! There Bethany, it is! Bethany, what is the show? What is the show about? To be your COO? Who the fuck has a show for that? <laughs> You're gonna get someone shit. Even, what was that one show? Gentle Lions, the design show. Um, I watched all of that. Okay. And that was like similar to this like i'm gonna find a bunch of random people to come in and do these challenges and at the end i'm gonna give them a job working for me which also is the most insane shit in the world like you want me to come on a reality television show to get a job to work for you no can i just do an interview like everybody else okay that one did, <laughs> dude that got dismissed at the beginning who was like very clearly about to cry thinking about the fact that he like oh was like that like super business short one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, that girl who called that man little was funny. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, she works for him, and she went <laughs> like, <laughs> right in the camera. She's my favorite, honestly. Oh no. Um, just because she's a mess. Yeah. But um, anyway. Anyways. Uh, is there any other TV shit we want to talk about? No, Should we get out I think of here? that's enough television. Okay. Uh, as before, we lead into this interview with Alex Jenny. Um, I just wanted to give out some podcast shout outs. I feel like as a podcast, I listen to other things. And if you're curious or wanting to listen to other stuff that is in sort of this vein, or honestly, a little bit adjacent, one, uh, our babe BJ Rudd uh, has a podcast, Black People Go to Therapy 2. There's also Just a Thought podcast from Dr. Ellis Nelson. And then we have Disability After Dark, um, which is like a queer man, a queer disabled man talking about... um, their experiences being a disabled person and specifically the way that that relates to sex and sexuality. Super cool, frank conversations. Rainbow Road is about gay gamers. If you're a gamer and you're gay, if you're a gamer, um, you can listen to Rainbow Road. Oh. Uh-huh, I know, I'm sorry. Um, and then also, Ali is working on Citizen with Baratunde and I've been catching um, uh, like 
Second season. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Episodes from the second season. Um, and my speech is going away, so we're going to cut out here. Do you too. know what that means? It's yes. time for a break. Uh, this, it times. It... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex. <laughs> Hi, welcome back, friends. And we are joined by our lovely, wonderful guest on this wonderful Sunday morning, Alex Jenny, LCSW, aka the drag therapist, writer, poet, actor, model, talk show host, all of it, new YouTube podcast as well, The Moment. You are the moment today. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to talk to you. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so, want to get us started in a way that we start with all of our guests, which is um, what identities help shape how you come into this world? Mm-hmm. The identities I seem to be coming back to these days are Chinese, Vietnamese doll, trans mm-hmm. woman of a non-binary experience, okay. um, a child of refugees, social worker, um, you know, and someone doing their best. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, that's right. You uh, offered us right as we were getting everything uh, together and some things were spilling. You were saying, you know, coming as you are and coming as exactly what you're coming with is exactly yes. what's perfect for this moment. Which is a mess for me this morning. <laughs> we're, we're all doing our best and that, that's the best thing to do. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I'm really curious, you know, uh, in one of your bios online, uh, you have... Uh, this phrase of a wounded healer loving Mm -hmm. fiercely so we can all heal and build new worlds along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I identify with that, but I would love to hear how, how you've come to that phrasing and also how that shapes your work. Yeah, absolutely. So I tell people all the time that I didn't necessarily have a dream job of becoming a therapist. I really was, um, suffering uh, in my early 20s and like also I worked in a high school so I worked with young people who are also suffering Mm -hmm. and I was like okay I need more skills tools language on how I can help these young people but also help myself and my chosen family that were going through similar things and we're all just kind of like oh this is like what living is like and this is what it's going to take you know um so I went to social work school and I kind of thought to myself, oh, I can like kind of find a way to make money, but also dedicate all of this time and energy to learning what healing entails, right? In in this model, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, So really my main motivation in becoming a therapist and a social worker was not to, you know, be a therapist necessarily, but to help myself heal and help the people that I care about heal, right? Um, and so that, in that way, I very much identify as a wounded healer. Um, I'm not pretending like I don't have mental illness myself or a trauma history myself, or obviously like identities that are marginalized in our society. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that is where I'm coming from in my work. Um, someone who has experienced a lot of pain and suffering sitting across from someone who is actively in pain, suffering, trying to figure this stuff out. Right. Um, And I think in that struggle, in that work is where we get to build new worlds. Right. Um, 
And what I mean by that is, you know, I think a lot of my early activism focused on resistance, tearing down systems, trying to get like convince white supremacists to like care about my life. Right. And I realized that that was a lot of wasted energy because at the end of the day, if people don't care if I live or die or actually want me dead, I can't convince them otherwise. Right. And so I have to divert energy into my communities that actually care about me to, to build moments where I get to see kind of like glimpses, glimpses of this new world that we're trying to build. And we can build that now, right? Um, whether that means like a shared meal I have with someone and we're talking about our truths or, you know, a friend is sick and I'm like, okay, let me organize like a care pod for you. Um, and so that's kind of like what I mean by that phrase, building yeah. new worlds and a wounded healer. Um, I'm just kind of breathing that in because I think that uh, there's there's a lot that's really beautiful there and a lot that super resonates with my orientation to this work in some ways and how um, I diverted a career in some ways like because of what I was seeing directly around me. And um, I'm also hearing you say that while there is this space of creating a new world and the sort of magic that happens when there's some vulnerability with client and patient, right? There's also some tearing down in some ways or, or completely neglecting or rejecting maybe the ways mm -hmm. in which we've been told therapy is supposed to be. The ways in which we've been, you know, you named that like, well, within this model. And I believe what you're talking about is like this sort of therapy model of mm -hmm. like, you know, therapist is slightly detached warm enough to be confided in but never actually part of community right mm -hmm. and um i think i love the queering of that which is like actually two people in a room together is incredibly helpful like yes obviously don't self-disclose to the point where you're just talking mm -hmm. to them you know they're, they're right. there for a reason but um and then also thinking about the ways in which okay but my friends and my immediate family or my friends of friends or whoever don't have access to this thing that I am performing. So how can we translate that and move that out of the therapist's office and out of the couch to imagine that new world where we're taking care of each other? Yes, exactly. Um, I found that early in my career, you know, my friends would come to me and they would kind of have this preamble before they asked something of me, right. Of like, I know you're a therapist and I know you're talking to X amount of people and your energy is probably like, you know, really thin right now, but like, could you support me around this? And I would have to stop them and be like, okay, wait, because at the end of the day, me being a therapist is still my job. It's still the way I exist in capitalism. Yeah. And I don't have this like romanticized idea of what I do. Right. Yes. Um, and so I, I had to be very explicit in that, like, you are my priority. Right, because you're my community, you're my care pod, and I will, if I if I needed to, I would readjust my work priorities in order to prioritize you. Yes. Like I went to school for you, you know, and also to survive and make money, and I can I can still do that and support you, you know. Mm. That hit me. <laughs> um, how do you? So if that's if that's true and that's real and that's how you come to this, which I you know I I, I believe you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I I think um. Something that comes to mind, which is it, it's uh, there's part of me that's like slightly annoyed at this question. And I think it's important, which is 
there is some truth to feeling thin. There is some mm-hmm. truth to being worn out. There is some truth to being emotionally needing to be checked by friends and family sometimes or called in to be like, you have not been here with me because of the energy that you're offering. And I'm wondering, like, has that been an automatic, easy balance for you? Has that like, how have you come to that balancing? Trial and error, you know, <laughs> and I and I think I've seen models of care from older generations of my family that was really not helpful in that like if I ask my mom for something for example I know that she will always say yes Mm -hmm. no matter where she's at Mm -hmm. right in this very sacrificial way and I've had to learn myself to be able to say hey I can't do this thing for you right now so that way when you do ask for something like I do say yes you trust fully that there's no caveat to that yes Right. Like I'm saying yes, because I can actually do it. And if I can't, I'm going to let you know. Yeah. Right. But for a long time, I think my friends didn't trust that because I modeled what my mom showed me and mm. I was very sacrificial in the way that I loved. Right. If I don't do this, it came from like an attachment wound place too. If I don't do this, you'll They'll no leave. longer love me. You'll leave. Mm. Right. And so it's, it's an act of trust. building this trust that like if i say no i can't do this you'll stay and when i do say yes it's because i can actually do it i have the capacity to do so yeah how has um i mean being a drag queen being a performer like what is that what elements of that in your life have you brought into therapy if at Mm -hmm. An unapologetic confidence, right? Mm. Um, I say all the time in my therapy work, like, if that's your fantasy, live it fully, right? (laughs) And it's okay to live in your fantasy because the alternative is living in this, like, dystopian reality that we're in, right? Right. right? And so it is the fantasy that is going to help us build this new world. And when I'm in the club, I'm... I'm a goddess, I rule the world. Everyone is worshiping me for those like four minutes I'm on stage. I'm engaging in mutual worship with them, you know, right. collecting their their dollar bills and, you right. know, interacting with them and making eye contact. And that that fantasy, this idea of fantasy as a way to manifest, um, I think is really powerful, you know, because I could be crying in bed, depressed that morning, feeling like I'm worthless feeling like i'm you know really struggling with these intrusive thoughts and i get myself together go to the club and now i'm living the fantasy and that helps you know kind of this like fake it till you make it idea yeah um especially when it comes to my gender presentation how i want to be seen in the world how i want to carry myself in the world and i have to remember that that energy that i feel and put on when i'm in the club is accessible to me no matter where I'm at, no matter what I look like, you know, right. when I'm off stage. And it's just about cultivating that and, and cultivating that faith in myself. Right. I think that um, that's beautiful because I think that there is this sort of idea that, um, you know, yes, drag is fantasy, right? And it's uh, for a lot of folks, the fantasy can be different. But I it's about harnessing this this power of like, I'm I'm worthy of being looked at. It's like this. It's this. uh magic of um demanding an audience for yourself you know demanding the space to 
I just, I really identify with it. I think that I had a lot of, um, confident stuff, just like growing up a queer kid and in a deeply religious space like that, um, there was an aspect where drag was like a, a way to trick myself. Like I was attempting, I was attempting to act in the exact opposite of all my feelings. Like whatever my feelings were, it was to go in the opposite so that I tricked myself into feeling like I was a, a person that like deserved respect. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's obviously in this fantastical way and you don't need to bring that to brunch all the time because, you know, th- that's not a sustainable way of being, you know, it is sort of yeah. selfish, you know, but um, I, I love the idea that it has this, there's like transformative magic there that's going on. Yes. I think of it as like a corrective, like extreme, exaggerated overcorrection of the messages that I've received, you know, and then it helps me believe in the fantasy because I'm selling the fantasy and then people are buying it. Yes. And I'm like, oh, Y'all, yeah. y'all want to take this in too? Y'all really do yes. like are into this fantasy that I'm putting yes. out, you know? Yeah. Like, and then it makes me believe in myself more. Yeah, and I think that's how therapy works in a lot of ways too. You know, like when we talk about reframing, or even you know, if we're thinking about like sort of viral mental health tweets that are like a, in some ways a relatively obvious sort of reframing that's fantasy too right like the truth is that you can be experiencing a miserable experience and then someone offers a different way to look at it and it doesn't make the miserable experience go away but it's about choosing to believe in the reframe for at least the moment to get through it and then later you can be like oh i i maybe need to later come back to this more nuanced bothness but in the moment i'm gonna choose to dip into that fantasy and i love that that's a way to curate that space for your clients and who you're working with. Do you feel like there's an aspect of performance to you as therapist? I mean, yeah, (laughs) I think there is um, a level of like, you know, professionalism was a huge thing that I thought about when I was first getting into the work, right? And this idea of professionalism as, as drag in a way, right? I have to put on this like, um, this warm kind of energy, no matter how I'm actually feeling, you know, making sure that people are held in a certain way, making sure that I'm dressed in a certain way. Um, And also for myself, you know, having kind of like a, this is me as a therapist, as a character in order to have boundaries for myself. Mm. It doesn't mean it's inauthentic, right? It just means it's a different version of me. And I think that's something that people can have a hard time. I I mean, to some extent, come on, Miss Butler, we're performing all the time. But like, you know, I think that there is something professionalism, especially within this concept of whiteness, within this concept of like altering my natural ways of being to get the coin, to get the to get the mm-hmm. thing that is helping me actually my like you were saying earlier, my goal is to help my community. I'm using this to subvert that and kind of redirect that. But um, in the moment, I guess I'll do what you need me to do, sort of to walk through the door and get the job and have the interview, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And have you seen like any sort of difference or I don't know, like with the clients that you have and them experiencing that sort of, um, I don't know, like you bringing that into therapy what has been their experience? Have you heard like heard back from them in terms of what their feedback is in terms of what that experience is like? Mm-hmm. 
you know, with the clients where I laugh a lot and share laughter and like moments of joy, I usually get the question of like, do you, are you like this with like all of your clients, mm. you know? And I, I kind of say like, you know, our dynamic is unique. And also, you know, I do like to make room for, for joy, you know, and with all of my clients and I, and I don't, this is me. And I, and I realized that actually I was just really bad at pretending otherwise, yes. right? I was very, very bad at, you know, making sure that my outfits didn't take up too much room um, in the space, right? Quote, unquote. Um, I was very bad at hiding certain emotional reactions that I was experiencing. You know, I was not very good at, you know, withholding <laughs> um, some information about myself when, when relevant moments came up. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really want to push back against this idea that I need to be this like very um, almost robotic, warm, empathetic, like predetermined, like responses kind of energy that right. I see other people put other white colleagues put on right. you know that i just like didn't identify with right and that i'm hearing in some ways is a little bit it's a specific example sort of of the queer struggle in in some ways right and it also is one of those examples of actually i'm having to deal with this perception of deficit but what i actually have is much more of a gift than what you think i lack right yes. and and sort of in some ways, my understanding of my experience of uh, under the trans umbrella, right? And then like there's this movement and manipulation of understandings of gender to match more of like the ways in which we come naturally into this world. And I just, I think that that was a really powerful way to sort of like visualize that within the workplace and how those things are never inseparable, inseparable because while we might have conversations about gender or about homosexuality or about race or all these things, really it is this orientation to alignment and demanding that that alignment is more important than the other stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, I like what you said about like, it was conceptualized at first as like me lacking certain things, but then I started to realize it's like, no, it's because they are unable to do what I do. Right, they're uncomfortable. You know, yes. And it takes so much self-reflection and um, intentional intentionality in order to um, be queer and trans in this world mm -hmm. and then be able to navigate these spaces and still offer so much of myself while still navigating the boundaries that need to happen within the therapy space, you know? Right. And I, I've code switched enough, you know, and navigated different spaces enough to know how to do that with nuance, whereas my colleagues like don't know how to share pieces of their life without it feeling too much for them, you right. know? Right. Um, in your latest episode of your YouTube podcast, which that was started relatively recently, is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I loved the interview that you had with Aaron Rose Phillip. And one, I was just obsessed with the love that you two had. So much of that episode was you two just like fawning over each other, which I just adored. Um, but something that I thought was really beautiful. And I feel like culturally we're, we're entering this conversation, but it's that identity politics aren't going to save us to some extent. They're all, they're, they're limiting in a little bit inherently. And so like moving toward this concept of liberation 
for our listeners, I'm happy to direct them to your podcast to listen to that full conversation, but also to our listeners. Would you be able to expand on that a little bit or maybe how, um, what that means to you? Yeah. Um, so identity politics, you know, has gotten us very far in terms of like the conversation around diversity, equity, inclusion, right? Making sure that we are inclusive of certain identities and it is not ultimately the way that we're going to liberate ourselves right. in that by categorizing ourselves in these arbitrary, you know, socially constructed like categories, mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to be able to see everyone as like full humans. Yeah. Right. And I find that like, you know, I can get certain gigs because of my transness, uh-huh. but when the novelty wears off, I'm disposable, mm. right? And and so that I see this also with like Black Lives Matter and how it got co-opted by corporations. And then when the hype died down, quote unquote, right? It was disposable again. Yeah. And so that's, this is kind of what I mean by like identity politics in the end will not liberate us. Mm-hmm. What will liberate us in my opinion or the, the beginnings of like what I think will liberate us mm-hmm. is like transforming our heart, minds, souls to like be able to see each other as people who need to take care of each other, period, yeah. no matter what, yeah. you know? Humans who are put on this earth and like have to go through this existential suffering and like how can we get through that together, you know? Um, and, and not just hiring queer and trans artists because of our queerness and because of our transness, but because our art is inherently good and needed, you know, focusing on what we're actually doing and focusing right. less on who I am. Right. Um, the, I, what I'm hearing is this idea that like the queer identity one is not one thing and yes. that's part of that. And then the other part of that is that what that identity actually is, is just an orientation to an understanding of the world. And like you were naming earlier, actually a generation of a new world, a, a, a way to enter into conversation with our art, with our output, with our conversations, with my outfit, with like whatever, to, to have that internal or external dialogue around, oh, the way in which this world is built is harmful. And that's like Mm -hmm. kind of always what underlies that. And identity politics, I think, always is essentially in some ways this desire to be able to access the same thing and often a me-centered sort of way. And I don't think that was necessarily the case in the 70s when there was a need to sort of like separate from pathologize sexuality to like sort of say like there is this level of like humanity to us as a collective right and also here's a brick you know like those things together but like since then there's a there has been a, a history of trying to move at the same pace when that it just isn't that's not how this world works and it's much more liberating to say like the categories are useless treat each other better (laughs) like that's the point you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know it's for me it's like identity politics has its role right it's it's useful in highlighting the ways in which oppression happens um on on different levels to different categories of people and groups of people right and it's it's not 
it's just so limiting. A, a great example is like Oreo, a company like Oreo tweeting trans people exist, right? And that's their way of liberation in, yeah. in the frame of identity politics, right? And then they're not actually doing anything to make sure that healthcare is accessible or yeah. free. They're not doing anything about abolition, which is also a trans issue, right? right? They're not doing anything to make sure that, you know, we're not discriminated against in the workplace, you know? Great, you got my pronouns right. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter if I can't access life-saving healthcare. Right. You know? And you're profiting off me. Like yes. that's the other part of identity politics is that it's like this call to be seen and then you get nothing from being seen other than being hit. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's like, it's okay, thanks. Which So I, I, I appreciate the offering that, um, and I agree with you that it absolutely has a role, but I think of it and I think I hear you say, it's a tool to get to something else. It is not mm -hmm. a destination. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, some of the some of this is resonating with me. I mean, especially the Black Lives Matter wokeness, all of that good stuff is. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of tired of it, honestly. Like, yeah. it's just like, can we stop, please, with Black Lives Matter? Can we stop with wokeness? Can we stop with checking in on me because I'm black? I honestly, y'all weren't yes. doing it before, so you can stop now. Like, yeah. it's not helpful. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> And that's a great example, again, of what I mean by the limitations of identity politics, right? Because those people are, are using identity politics to inform this need to check in with you because of your blackness and not because of this human connection that they're trying to cultivate with you. Right. You know, it's flattening. It creates a one-dimensional character, right? I become just a trans woman of color rather than this full human that, that has flaws and, and has all these different experiences that doesn't necessarily, you know, can fit in this, in this identity politic box, you know? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely, it feels othering. It definitely feels, it feels more, it feels like they're, like, like people are creating more distance between me and like who they are as humans whenever, whenever those sort of conversations come up. And it does feel like a, uh, I don't know, there's also this thing where it's like, I have to speak for all black people or for all queer black people whenever I answer a question like that. And it's like, yeah. listen, how I feel is completely different from how you feel. Like even me sitting right now, like sitting here now, like I don't have much to offer. Like there's somebody else that's just like me that has plenty to say about this. So mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not a full pivot, but something I'm, I'm thinking about in the moment is, uh, you mentioned the learning that you have gotten from um, your family in some ways, and it is Mother's Day. Is is that something that feels warm to you? How does how does that feel in receiving that? Or is this one of those annoying emails that you're like, oh my God, I really would love to unsubscribe. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm lucky to have a very good relationship with my mom. Um, and... I have been like thinking a lot about my relationship to the women in my family as, especially as I'm navigating my medical transition, mm. um, which I'm not even a year into yet. Um, it'll be a year in August. Um, Happy anniversary almost. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm feeling the fantasy. Yes. Um, and yeah, I have a very good relationship with my mom. She really is one of my biggest supporters and my biggest ally. You know, she, um, and we've, we've been having a lot of tough conversations recently about what it means to like break intergenerational trauma. Um, you know, I, I don't use that term with her. I, I say like, you know, 
mom, you like taught me a lot of kind of the messed up things as you were trying your best. And now as a woman myself, like I have to figure out like how to unlearn some of those things and like do the things that you couldn't, you know, not in a, I don't, I, I, I hope you don't feel insulted by this. I hope you don't like see this as like me blaming you for certain things that I've gone through, mm-hmm. but you know, a big example from my own personal life is that I just recently got a divorce and, you know, I stayed in that relationship for a really long time because she showed me that love means staying no matter what, Mm -hmm. as she navigated her own relationship to men. Right. And so I had to have that tough conversation with her of like, Hey, this is something that you taught me and something that I like didn't even realize I was like following in your footsteps. And I realized it was not helpful to me and not helpful to you either. So let me do this thing that like you couldn't do. And now that you're seeing me do it, I hope that you see that it's possible for you too, you know, and like breaking that chain. Um, But yeah, Mother's Day is like a warm, fuzzy day for me. And I feel lucky and privileged to be able to feel that. Um, And in general, I feel very passionate about what it means for me to explore my connection to my ancestors. Hmm. Have you talked to mom today? No. Is that an afternoon conversation? Yeah, Mother's Day is honestly like one of these things for me that I'm like, it's just another task. <laughs> that I'm like, God, I have to call this woman today and say like, Happy Mother's Day. Like, I don't call you every other day. I was gonna right. say, right. I love right. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just having a conversation with a friend, and she was like, you know, I don't recognize Mother's Day because why? Why recognize that day? Yeah. I don't recognize Brother's Day, Uncle's Day, Aunt's Day. You know, right. I was like, okay, I see. <laughs> you hear? You hear from me all the time the yeah. only thing special about today is i sent you something in the mail like a right card. right <laughs> capitalism right yeah and it's like it's also rude because like in some way there's something kind of beautiful about the the ritual of recognition and the ritual of ceremony around that but it's so removed from that offering because it's about making money off moms yeah. <laughs> you know it's yeah. about yeah. making money off the guilt of talking to your mom like right, uh, right. or celebration either way but like it, it's the there's this distancing that happens from the core beauty of something, which is like saying thanks, saying I love you, saying these wonderful things that ideally we see every day. But especially if we're in a culture where that isn't always what happens, creating space for that is cool. It's just not cool that it feels like such an obligation as an yeah. American, yeah. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> like if you don't do this, you hate your mother. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think that's part of what I... My, my own um, orientation to the world around me is like, okay, how can I give this day meaning that is like specific to me, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I, I talk to my mom all the time, right? And so on yeah. Mother's Day, like I try to ask myself, what is something I haven't told my mom in those conversations that I can use oh. this day to like give myself the opportunity to share? You know, yeah. and oftentimes it's like really hard emotional reflections, but, um, you know, <laughs> so, so she's like, you know, going to probably be bracing herself for this phone call because <laughs> I've, I've co-opted Mother's Day yeah. to b- unburden myself of things onto her now. Yeah. <laughs> Happy I honestly, Mother's Day. Yeah, right. Um, uh, I think I really approached Mother's Day very similar to that last year. My, uh, my relationship with my mother is not as uh, fluid and kind, maybe, as I'm hearing you two are able to experience. And um, uh, that's also... Uh, that even saying that out loud feels strange because like, I know my mom loves me. There's just, there's strain and it's hard. Yeah. And yeah. last year I felt like I, um, I was like, how can I convey 
the idea that I, I want to love you and we have to figure out a new language of love. And like, so I offered this like reading to her, um, and was trying to like shape that within that. And it was received kindly, but then the actions don't follow up in, in a different way. So then it, it feels like then this, like, uh, what was the point of the emotional outpour? (laughs) Like what, like what, which is not fair because I think it was obviously something beautiful for me, but, um, I just, I identify with that. I think that's a special thing to figure out like, okay, if I, if I'm feeling some strain around this guilt or around this idea of this holiday, how can I use it to meet both needs to meet Mm -hmm. something that I need while also recognizing maybe my mom would like to hear a hello today, even if it doesn't mean anything to me. Okay. Like I can extend that kindness or something. So, um, as we're kind of wrapping up this portion of the conversation, I'm just wondering, um, we've been talking a lot around like how your learning is for your community. And I, I'm sure that that is very specific to Chicago and very specific to the babes around you, very specific to the club, very specific to that, you know, that church, you know? Um, but I'm wondering to the larger babes listening, most everyone queer listening, um, do you have offerings for some of that healing that maybe is speaking to you this year that is not necessarily broadly like, Everyone can heal this way, but just something that you're holding as uh, a tool for liberation. Yeah. Um, Something that I keep going back to whenever I'm asked a question like this or a question adjacent to this is like, you know, I want so badly for queer and trans people to be able to see and make room for their confusion and the struggle as part of the journey. And I get that in this world, the world makes it really hard to be able to have room to struggle. Mm -hmm. And in this hypothetical new world that we're building, right, using our radical imagination, I see a world in which we have the supports necessary to support that confusion and that struggle, right? It's, It's not that in this new world we'll no longer struggle. It's that we'll be able to support each other in the struggle. Right. And in this new world, I hope for queer and trans people trying to figure themselves out that they see that as a beautiful part and a necessary part of what it means to come of age or become their most authentic self. And to be able to celebrate that as a rite of queer and trans passage rather than this like uh, facet of oppression, yeah. right? I want people to be able to celebrate their like, you know, non-binary phase as they go into like a more binary gender or their like whatever other phases they might be going through as a beautiful and necessary part of their growing and 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 learning, you know, um, and to be patient with themselves. Yeah. I appreciate that because especially there's so much pressure to name yourself. And then mm-hmm. if you don't stick with it, there's some perceived fakeness or something and the fluidity of who we are as humans in general. And then especially as queer people, I think is, um, I love that offering. I'm grateful for that. Um, can you tell us where we can support you 
on the socials. I know you have a GoFundMe. What's your Venmo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, my Venmo is Alex Jenny. <laughs> okay. And you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I post most of my work. Uh, my Instagram is at Alex Jenny underscore. You can find the link to my GoFundMe there. Um, you know, I'm trying to raise funds for my gender affirming surgeries, which are coming up this year. Um, and so, yeah, I, that was a lot of my, um, you know, kind of mental health infographics and my thinking around activism and community building, uh, also my art. So, so yeah, that would be a great place for you all to learn more about me and support my work. Beautiful. We'll definitely be sharing some on our Instagram. And then you can also check out our Rex and resources doc, which will have the Venmo, GoFundMe and other um, links to Alex's work there. How do you feel about taking a quick break? And then we come back and take some meds. Yeah. Feel good? Beautiful. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. We're almost ready to come back again. All right, friends. We're in the home stretch. We're here to take some meds. Shawnee, lead us in. All right. My meds this week, which were greatly needed. Uh, I had Cinco de Mayo cel- uh, celebrations. I was going to say celefistities, like festivities <laughs> and celebrations together. Yeah. Uh, in my backyard for Cinco de Mayo with friends I haven't seen in so long and definitely friends I haven't seen since I got back from uh, L.A. And it was fun. It was nice seeing everybody's faces. Everybody was double vaxxed up, which was nice. Um, so we could all be within close proximity of each other, according to the CDC, <laughs> which y'all all yep. know how I feel about that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was fun. I'm happy that I got the time with friends. Um, yeah. It was beautiful. It was needed for me too. Yeah. I was, and I got to, I got to see Spencer. I got to see Chloe. I got to see a, a bunch of people that I haven't seen. So yeah, that was awesome. It was very cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alex, what are you taking this week? What meds you got? You know, right now in this moment, I am still feeling the high from the state that I had last night. Ooh. And it was actually with um, another trans cutie who i've been talking to for the length of the quarantine like longer than a year and we've just been like exchanging very like lesbian yearning like messages to each other all (laughs) like quarantine long and we finally met in person for the first time yesterday and yeah it was a beautiful moment i love that i'm obsessed with that i love that and uh, listeners, you can't see, but Alex is beaming sharing this right now. Like, <laughs> like not, not in an embarrassing way. It is a beautiful thing to witness that uh, that energy of excitement and that energy of appreciating sign of something kind of paying off, right? Like that's a lot of effort. Yeah. Over, yeah. So I'm a glad it went well. A testament to our like mutual survival and like yes. being able to be like, wow, our yearning was where it was for something you know? yeah oh my gosh oh my god i love that so much honestly i i love that all three of us have meds that are very much about connection this week mm-hmm. um your backyard thing really kicked off a moment for me i think it triggered in my brain this like you love seeing people and now that it's safe to do so do it mm-hmm. and i will admit that i'm a little exhausted because it was very much like wednesday thursday friday saturday of like different friend folks um but outside of one of those days every friend interaction that I was coming to was folks that I had not seen in a long time and to be affirmed that that love was still there that that care was still there that that laughter was still there that there was levity to the situation um 
it made me feel so good. I'm tired as shit. I'm definitely going to sleep the rest of today. But like, um, I am so grateful that uh, your backyard kind of like brought that to like a visual for me. And and then I was able to run with it a little bit. And I'm excited that um, I'm excited to feel that way. You know, my backyard <laughs> like, is where all the love and magic happens. So whenever huh? I leave Portland, whoever wants to move into this apartment and take care of this backyard, it has plenty of love in it. I'm just letting you know. That's true. Great Amazing. things happen back there. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Do we have homework today, Mama? Um, You know what? We don't. Okay. I'm going to give y'all a homework break because I need a break. Yeah. And so we're going to soon reveal all of us need a break. <laughs> um, but no, no homework this week. Um, you guys get a free week to go and do what you think you need to do for yourself. How about that? That's yeah. your homework. I love that. Yeah. And my other offering is that um, pay Alex Jenny some money. That's the homework. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> thank you thank you yes, yes. really appreciate it yeah <laughs> obsessed um you have lots of uh beautiful work and so the homework is to check that out get to know alex more um this is our first time meeting but i am i'm so warmed by this conversation i you jumped in on this sunday without having met us and offered a lot of really beautiful things and i'm grateful that you offered that to us thank you so much thank you so so much yeah absolutely i'm so happy to be in community with you all um chicago to the west coast you know we'll flip-flop anytime come out say we hi we love some chicago babes we do we have been on a chicago trip we've done vixen toto uh, uh there's been some other therapists in the area that have joined us too so maybe chicago will be with the first city on our podcast on the tour, tour. yeah that's yeah. it yes, <laughs> first stop <come> through <laughs> um you can follow us at qbt pod on instagram and twitter um if you have any questions burning desires suggestions send them to qbt podcast desires at, well you know i mean i might want a little desire every once in a while you know <laughs> don't send me none of your desires <laughs> yeah <laughs> send me a sexy story i'm bored uh, no uh qbtpodcast at gmail.com big big thanks to ali kilts for editing and thank you to carlos and kiana for helping with socials and thank you to shanti darling and marquis for and happy birthday kiana oh yeah happy birthday kiana yeah hope that tequila was hope you remembered it i hope you remember <laughs> it um <laughs> Happy birthday, baby. Uh, yeah, let's get out of here. Let's enjoy this Sunday. If you forgot to call your mom on Sunday, it's Wednesday now. Maybe do that. <laughs> but also, if you <laughs> didn't, that. offer yourself some grace and forgiveness, because who cares? Um, <laughs> we love you. And thanks again, Alex. Um, it was wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, thank y'all. <laughs> See you soon. Talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>